It's Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris. And good yontif, Jill. Is it still holiday time? <laughs> well, on Cookie Lab, it is still holiday time because... And we would just want to keep enjoying it. It is. It is. Uh, it is not Passover any longer on the Jewish calendar. But if you were a listener last week, you heard that we were going back into the lab, and we were going to try to make a healthy cookie of sardines and sour milk. That's right. Now I remember. Because we discovered that the Japanese health minister has approved those two things as ACE inhibitory foods. And I don't know about you, Chris, but I take blood pressure medication. So if I could, you know, eat sardines instead. And down it with a glass of sour milk, you'd be in great shape. My gosh, is this April Fool's or what? Nobody would talk to you, but... (laughs) (laughs) So let's go back for a moment before we reveal the results of this cookie. We didn't really do very much with the history of Passover. And it's a long, long, long historic event in ancient Egypt, right? Where God is supposed to have said to Moses to tell the Israelites to paint lamb's blood on their doorpost. And this way, the angel of death would know that Jewish people live there and would pass over their house and not kill their firstborn child. Right. That was the 10th out of uh, 10 plagues that God supposedly sent down on the Egyptians for having enslaved another people. Right. And then it goes on really with the story of Exodus, where God freed the Israelites from that slavery in Egypt. That's right. And then they go wandering in the desert to the promised land. And they had to get out fast so they didn't have time to let their bread rise. And so to commemorate this, we celebrate here in the U.S. eight days of Passover. And we do it with unleavened food. Last time we said that we avoid wheat, and you said we avoid many other things as well that might might have been contaminated. Right, right. There are other grains like oats and barley. And that actually reminds me, like, some of those things aren't necessarily gluten-free the way they yeah, sure. were produced, even not in Passover times. And the weird thing that always confuses me, and my wife said to me, you've been celebrating Passover for 30 years plus, and this year it's as if you have never celebrated before. Because you're trying to introduce things to our Passover meal that are just not allowed, uh, like rice and lentils and chickpeas. I was going to make a beautiful chickpea and chicken dish. And so what I discovered, Jill, was that all of those things were all ground into flour in ancient Egypt. Okay. And so... Anything that could have could be confused yeah. with other ground grains were eliminated 
from the kosher for Passover diet. That actually makes sense. Call it cross-contamination. And mustard. Did you know that mustard is never kosher for Passover? I had no idea. Is that because it's something that's ground, like you make it from ground mustard powder? Yes, but also because the mustard plants often grow intertwined with Mm -hmm. the other grain plants. Mm -hmm. And And so they could be contaminated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there are all kinds of rules that you have to follow. Which sometimes seems just silly and arbitrary, but other times seems kind of cool, like we're keeping this very, very old tradition alive. And it's a way of connecting the Jewish people with their ancestors and their pasts and their traditions. But as we've said before, the desserts aren't always the best. Right, right, right. (laughs) It's usually actually kind of a bummer. And you know, Jill, I love my chocolate. Mm, Me too. And so I wanted to make a chocolate dessert. And we had been making treats for our family during Passover. So I thought, well, maybe I could combine the sardines and the sour milk (laughs) and some chocolate and some eggs. And leave out the sardines and sour milk. And if I left those two things out, I might get a good treat. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you're right, Chris. It's not that sardines or sour milk are not kosher for Passover. It's just that I really didn't want to use them, so I didn't try. Well, I mean, I think sour milk might actually, I mean, that's kind of, that is an ingredient in some recipes. It is, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not opposed to cooking with sour milk at all. It, It adds a nice tang. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you could sell these as tangy, flourless chocolate cookies. Well, this didn't use sour milk at all. So this is eggs and sugar and cocoa powder and melted chocolate and some salt. And that's basically it. it. And it is a drop cookie. It looks like a drop cookie. It doesn't change at all. So it just looks like a mass of chocolate cookie. And I think it is sitting here ready to be tasted. It, It has no butter. It has no leavening. It has no flour it has no matzah it's just maybe just a chocolate candy i don't know let's taste it i can't wait to try here we go Mm. it is not crisp that's kind of like fudge isn't it but a little cakier than fudge yeah i mean it's definitely a cookie Mm. it is exceptionally rich i like the flavor it's not too sweet and I can see how you could make it taste slightly different with some different fancy chocolate varieties. Mm-hmm. It has chocolate chips in it, although they really didn't keep their shape, or you can't taste them. The other nice thing about this cookie, now remember our definition of a cookie. Is that you can stack it. <laughs> well, you can stack these, right? But also the ratio of flour to sugar to butter right. or fat, and there's no fat. And there's no flour. This is a fat-free cookie? Well, there's no extra fat. It's just whatever fat is in the chocolate. Right. And eggs, right? Yeah. Two eggs, a third of a cup of sugar, a third of a cup of brown sugar. Like, there's not a lot in this cookie. It's a totally reasonable cookie. Mm Mm-hmm. And... uh, It is not ridiculous. But you can't eat a lot of them. Because it's so rich. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think it's a winner. How many could you eat in a sitting? Oh, well, you know, 
I'm maybe the wrong person to ask. I I would eat myself, you know, sick. Into a coma. <laughs> yeah. Chocolate cookie coma. So I think that it would only take like three or four of those to Yeah, yeah. Push I don't you, I'm, I'm kidding around. Yeah. I, three would probably be my max. Yeah. 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 We're left to consider like what kind of science could we possibly talk about here? Well, as you once said to me, Chris, I always know science. I do. I always know some science. <laughs> so what do you know? How about a brand new discovery? Yes, please. This was published in Scientific American, the April edition, 2023. Okay, so absolutely cutting edge science. Absolutely. You can't get more current than that. Uh, and it is entitled The Science of Melting Chocolate. Oh, do tell, do tell. Well, let me tell you, I am so excited. So picture in your mouth chocolate. Mm. You have a very, very specific experience that's happening, don't you? I do. It's a Lake Champlain chocolate caramel bar. And what's happening? Saliva. Mm. A melting away mm -hmm. of the of the milk chocolate mm -hmm. and a sweet treat of caramel, Ver which is not chocolate. But that that's what happened when you said that. So that's all I'm telling you. Okay. Well, you got all the parts in there. So they studied the melting of the chocolate on your tongue, but actually mm -hmm. not on your tongue. Mm -mm, the scientists no. who did this in the University of Leeds in England created a biometric tongue. <laughs> I knew you'd what love that. What does it look like? Can I Google it? <laughs> Biometric tongue. It replicated the texture, the surface distribution, and mechanical properties of a human tongue. Mm, apparently, humans have individual tongue prints. I think there's a whole lot of tongue science that I'd have to dig through to. Uh, oh, okay. To get more info yeah, on the biometric tongue. Well, what did you figure Maybe out? you'll come back to us with more about the biometric tongue. Well, what they, <laughs> what they wanted to do was understand what contributed to that smooth feeling of chocolate as it melts. Yeah, that's awesome. And then after it melts, you get the sugariness of it. And mm -hmm. the, right? So what's going on? Well, they placed different chocolates on this mechanical tongue and observed as the surfaces interacted. And by observe, they had all kinds of sensors and measurements. Mm -hmm. and, and they broke, they break down the chocolate eating process into three stages, Jill. Solid. Okay, the, sal the saliva stage. Solid. Mm -hmm. Molten. And mm -hmm. our favorite... Emulsion. <laughs> <laughs> so that magic happens in your mouth on your own biometric tongue. Yes, on your own biological tongue. Right. Yeah. So the, so what they discovered was that delectable feeling of chocolate depends on the chocolate releasing a fatty film that coats the tongue. Oh. And it's not how much fat. How does chocolate know how to do that? Isn't that incredible? It's not the amount of fat that's located in the chocolate. It's more important where the fat is. What this might lead to is that. Super chocolate. Yeah, super chocolate where manufacturers will put 
fat in the top layer of the chocolate surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And reduce the fatty interior, and you mm-hmm. could actually make a healthier chocolate treat that feels just as good in your mouth. Oh, I see. I didn't go that way. I thought they were going to make an even more fabulous chocolate. I didn't know it was going to be manipulated to be less bad for you. <laughs> You seem disappointed. <laughs> yeah, like I thought super chocolate was going to be like, it tastes 10 times better than regular chocolate. I don't think we're going to get anything that tastes better because it's that initial spread. And once it's spread, mm. it's spread, right? You you can't mm-hmm. change that. But if you change where it is. So it, it would be it potentially is, a better taste sensation. Yeah, you could get a better sensation in the mouth perhaps. And you could also decrease the amount of fat that you have to put in there and it could also be good for you why you'd want to so the chocolate melts it distributes the fat and then the sugar particles and the and the cocoa particles combine with your saliva Mm -hmm. forming an emulsion that covers your mouth <laughs> with sugar and chocolate bits. So then you get that taste sensation as well. And if you're interested in the Scientific American, you should go and you should look at the uh, issue because it has fantastic infographics of all of this happening on human Fabulous. tongues. Then they don't give you an infographic of the biometric tongue, which is disappointing. And I think we should have biometric tongue swag on the, at the Cookie Lab store. I do too. I do too. But I'd like to say a little word about Scientific American. Okay. When I was in graduate school for science journalism, my supportive roommates got me a subscription to Scientific American mm-hmm. as a present but maybe their handwriting wasn't so good and my name was misspelled by one letter and i then proceeded to receive avalanches of junk mail with my name spelled that way oh that's a scientific study so i knew where it had come from that scientific american had sold my information Mm -hmm. to marketers Mm -hmm. and periodically i would i would save up all the junk mail and then periodically mail a big fat envelope to scientific american that's hilarious good for you otherwise a great publication and i'm sure the business side has nothing to do with the journalism integrity side i'm sure not and this was before they were collecting cookies online with all of your information data so this was a right you're not talking about cookie lab cookies you're talking about digital cookies yeah no no digital cookies were harmed in the mistake uh, of selling your information they some somebody had to type your information in and give it to a man in an alley who would then wearing a trench coat wearing a a trench coat hey would you like jill spelled with one l (laughs) (laughs) i have her address and you can send her all kinds of junk mail (laughs) what's it worth to you buddy (laughs) he's a scientific american trench coat buddy keep your paws off my cookie (laughs) thank you for the for the yummy flourless chocolate fudgy cookie yeah everybody enjoy it Uh, everything's up on our facebook uh, cookie lab pod facebook group 
And you can email us at cookielabpod at gmail.com and share a recipe or two. Yeah, please do. And Chris, is there anything we should be looking forward to coming up next? More cookies. Okay. (laughs) All right, Jill. See you next time. Very good. See you then. Bye. It's Cookie Lab.